Donald Trump was banned on Twitter. Now, I kind of thought this was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen this soon, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, let's go to the article here. Now, yes, I know, it's CNN, be, 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 cry about it, because right now we're going to actually re just read the information. And honestly, I read through this article and it was pretty non-biased, so I'm just going to keep on, I'm going to just read through it for the basic information. Um, I also have, hold on. Ah, don't, don't take a peek at my notes, everybody. Just kidding. I also have the blog here, too. Okay. I don't even think I need to look at it over CNN, actually, because this, this blog post explains it pretty well. Um... So after a close review of recent tweets from the real Donald Trump account, the context around them, specifically how they are being received and interpreted on and off Twitter, we have permanently suspended the account due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Now, I want to address something right away because I know that people are going to say, well, there are people that sometimes say a lot worse shit than what Donald Trump has said, and they're still on Twitter. Why is that? Now, that might be a bit of a double standard. Sure, these big tech companies are nowhere near perfect. And believe me, we're going to get into that soon. But the fact of the matter is, Donald Trump, as president, has substantially more influence than your random Twitter user, than even your random politician or your everyday politician. Sorry. Like Donald Trump, as the president of the United States, has so much personal responsibility, conservatives all time favorite. Donald Trump has so much responsibility as president. And when he makes these consistent, vague tweets that have been used to empower violence, that context needs to be taken into account for and that nuance needs to be examined. It is a really nuanced issue and it's not as cut and dry as how come some people can say we're shit and Donald Trump got banned for this? It's simple. It's because as president of the United States, your rhetoric has substantially more consequences than virtually anyone else on this entire planet. In the context of horrific events this week, we made it clear on Wednesday that additional violations of the Twitter rules would potentially result in this very course of action. Our public interest framework exists to enable the public to hear from elected officials and world leaders directly. It is built on a principle that the people have a right to hold power to account in the open. However, we made it clear going back years that these accounts are not above our rules entirely and cannot use Twitter to incite violence, among other things. We will continue to be transparent around our policies and their enforcement gonna address you chat don't worry hey man i love your videos you stay spitting facts you're like normal i guess not some dumbass left <laughs> thanks man i appreciate it so these are some of the tweets that they they brought in uh that are the comprehensive analysis anyway on January 8th, President Trump tweeted, the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long in the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form. Okay. Shortly thereafter, the president tweeted to all those who've asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. So here's Twitter's reasoning. Okay. 
Due to the ongoing tensions in the United States and an uptick in the global conversation in regards to the people who violently stormed the Capitol on January 6, 2021, these two tweets must be read in the context of broader events in the country and the ways in which the president's statements can be mobilized by different audiences, including to incite violence as well as in the context of the pattern of behavior from this account in recent weeks. After assessing the language in these tweets against our glorification, uh, after assessing the language in these tweets against our glorification of violence policy, we have determined that these tweets are in violation of the glorification of violence policy. All right, let's actually look at the policy. You may not threaten violence against an individual or group. Okay. Okay, I mean, this, yeah, under this policy, you can't glorify, celebrate, praise, or condone violent crimes, violent events where people were targeted because of their membership in a protected group or the perpetuators of such acts. I mean, that would definitely apply to Donald Trump's um, rhetoric when it came to uh, w when like the Capitol was actually being stormed and he was like, you're all special. Go home. Don't be don't be mean, but they're trying to take everything away from you like that. That could definitely fall under that. Violent acts committed by civilians that resulted in death or serious physical injury. Um, OK, attacks carried out by a terrorist organization or violent extremist group that would qualify there. Yeah. Violent events that targeted protected groups, like the whole, okay. What is not a violation of this policy? Our focus is on preventing the glorification of violence that could inspire others to replicate violent acts as well as violent events where protected groups were the primary targets or victims. Exceptions may be made for violent acts by state actors where violence was not primarily targeted protected groups. Yeah, I mean, as always, it's like a little vague probably because they kind of ha it kind of needs to be um and I'm not really like even defending Twitter or anything here but I can definitely see how some of Donald Trump's recent rhetoric can be viewed in this way uh personally I think they could have gotten Donald Trump for for false info more than this but again like it, it's a very nuanced issue it's not just that like he tweeted this or didn't actually say these words it's the fact that his rhetoric on this matter is constantly being used to embolden the people who committed these violent acts. To deter, uh, this determination is based on a number of factors, including President Trump's statement that he will not be attending the inauguration is being received by a number of his supporters as further confirmation that the election was not legitimate and is seen as him disavowing his previous claim made via two tweets by his deputy chief of staff that there would be an orderly transition on January 20th. So this is a good example of the uh, of the nuance here. When did Hunter turn into a whiny little bitch? I haven't whined once. I'm going over the information and giving a very unbiased approach on it as best I can. Okay, so if this to you is me being a whiny little bitch, then maybe you need to just get out of here. Because clearly, unless you're being told exactly what you want to hear at all times, you're the one that becomes the whiny little bitch. So when I first heard this, I'll be honest, I kind of did view it a little bit like it sounds a little like they're jumping through hoops here. Um, it sounds a little bit like they are really making a reach to just justify their decision to ban Donald Trump. But and I like I can still I really can still empathize with that approach because it does seem a little bit it can like on its surface level, it does look a bit like a reach. However, this kind of plays back into what we were saying about the nuance, right? Is that this, the fact that Trump said he won't be attending the inauguration, his supporters are viewing that as further confirmation that the election was illegitimate. 
And again, I think that that logic can be really dangerous here because at, like at times, depending on if it's for like private citizens or people that don't have quite as much influence as the president of the United States, because I do think that um, banning someone for how their words can be interpreted can take you down a dangerous path. I do. Uh, and if that was being used more frequently, then it would also be concerning. But again, when it comes to Donald Trump specifically, when it comes to this specific incident, this specific incident, Donald Trump's words are being used to embolden the violence that occurred and his violent and radical supporters that tried to raid the Capitol or attempted a coup. Uh, the second tweet may also serve as encouragement to those potentially considering violent acts that the inauguration will be safe. Oh, okay, hold on, sorry. The second tweet may also serve as encouragement to those potentially considering violent acts that the inauguration would be a safe target as he will not be attending. Um, may also serve... Ugh. I'm... And you can probably tell uh, that I'm a little on the fence with all of this, too, because I, I recognize that Donald Trump probably did violate TOS and no president is above the law and they're not above the TOS either uh, in a private company. However, we're, uh, we're going to get more in depth in this soon though about the power and control that these massive tech companies have. The use of the words American patriots to describe some of his supporters is also being interpreted as support for those committing violent acts at the US Capitol. And see, this kind of plays back into what I said in last stream. Donald Trump doesn't really say anything. He plays both sides in such a way so that his supporters can take what they want from what he said and uh and they can and it also gives Trump enough plausible deniability to back off some of the shit he said. And this is a perfect example. This is why you'll notice more seasoned politicians uh are usually much clearer in their condemnation of certain actions. Donald Trump's is always vague. It could be taken as like this American Patriots language this absolutely could be interpreted as support for those committing violent acts at the U.S. Capitol. It absolutely could be. The mention of his supporters having a giant voice long into the future and that they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form is being interpreted as further indication that President Trump does not plan to facilitate an orderly transition, and instead he plans to uh, continue to support, empower, and shield those who believe he won the election. That's fair, actually. Uh, I was a little on the fence here. I... Uh... Hold on. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. It's being interpreted as further indication that President Trump does not plan to facilitate an orderly transition. And instead, he plans to continue to support, empower, and shield those who believe he won the election. Uh, that's actually a very fair interpretation, and I agree with that. Yeah. That would definitely that can definitely be taken that way. People are gonna be really mad at me right now because conservatives don't do very good with when it comes to nuance concern, like if you try to talk about the nuance of a situation, instead of just immediately saying what you think about it, they'll just accuse you of siding with the opposition. Uh, and so I know conservatives are probably going to be in here pretty pissed off and triggered that uh, like we're, it's it's not that cut and dry. Donald Trump did violate TOS and his words can be were being used to embolden this shit. Plans for future armed protests have already begun proliferating on and off Twitter, including a proposed secondary attack on the U.S. Capitol and state Capitol buildings on January 17th. Okay, that's something I didn't even know about. As such, our determination is that the two tweets above are likely to inspire others to replicate the violent acts that took place on January 6th 
and that there are multiple indicators that they are being received and understood as encouragement to do so. I think this is a pretty fair and transparent assessment. Uh, this is one of my massive criticisms of big tech is that they're not transparent enough. And oftentimes when they're not transparent, it gives so much ambiguity to uh, these like rumors of conservative censorship. Um, so I think that being transparent is extremely important for these massive tech companies. Uh, and I have to say, I'm pretty impressed with this, this explanation here. I do believe that this was pretty transparent and I can understand their way of thinking. I just, I, again, I want to stress that I don't think this assessment would apply to every person on Twitter. I think that this assessment applies very specifically to Donald Trump when we recognize how much power his words have. These people who attempted the coup to coup the Capitol are the same people that think anyone left of... <laughs> oh, it's so fucking true. But it's a private business. They don't have to be transparent. They might not have to be transparent, but I would argue that it's because of their private business that they would want to be. Don't tell me I'm still getting buffering problems now. Yeah, no, my stream connection's fine. All right, hold on. Pulling up our next uh, next thing to talk about here. I have my little outline here, so yeah. I know there's people probably really mad in the chat right now. All right. Um. So I know that like right away we're gonna be hearing uh people claiming that this is just further proof of conservative censorship. I'm already getting tweeted out, tweeted uh, at like how I'm actually a hypocrite because I said conservatives weren't being censored on big tech. <laughs> now, first and foremost, I never in my entire fucking life said that conservatives are never banned from social media platforms. No. The argument here is that conservatives are systemically uh, uh, silenced and censored by big tech because they are conservative. That is the argument that conservatives try to make here, okay? So was Donald Trump, let's let's actually think about this. Was Donald Trump banned because he was conservative? Or was Donald Trump banned because his tweets were being used to incite violence? This is a fair question here. Because the, the argument that they're banned because they are conservative is what's wrong. Conservative pages and conservative news does far better on social media platforms than left-leaning or even, like, centrist approaches. Excess people will be removed from Earth when the food runs out? Okay, that's not what has any... <laughs> Once again, chat, you always come through it at successfully distracting me. <laughs> so, like, if a Democrat was doing this same thing, or if a president was doing this same thing, I, I would reckon to, to bet that they would probably ban them as well. Twitter gave him multiple warnings. He ignored it, and now he has to face the consequences. Well, a little bit more. I would go even a step further and say that this is a pure, clear-as-day example of personal responsibility. Anytime 
personal responsibility doesn't apply to the situation. Conservatives just fucking jump to personal responsibility to obfuscate. But then when it's something like this, where personal responsibility actually plays a massive role, Trump had a responsibility with his rhetoric and with his platform. He knew the rules. He signed up for the TOS just like everybody else did. And now he gets banned because of his own fucking actions. And conservatives are going to try and say that, oh, it's conservative censorship. Look at how Trump's the victim now. This is a this is a much clearer definition. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a much clearer uh, uh, demonstration of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility applies in this situation so much better than when, like, black people are shot by police, for example. I think they banned him now because Democrats are taking over the executive and legislative branches. No, Nick, stop. Shut up. You're, that's conspiracy. That's literally conspiracy bullshit. No, they're not banning him now because Democrats are. No, they banned him for how his words could be interpreted. Now. Another thing I want to talk about is how the argument that big tech is like, or I'm sorry, that media is censoring conservatives or is anti-conservative or whatever this is a historical talking point for right-wingers in fact this kind of bullshit has been going on since the 60s hold on aha right here the term liberal media did not arise organically since the 1960s Conservative politicians have sought to discredit criticism from the press by calling them unfair biased. In the 1970s, Richard Nixon accused the press of conducting a witch hunt as reporters pursued Watergate. Even Rush Limbaugh in the 80s was peddling these ideas that the media is not the actual arbiter of truth, which I also agree with that. But he was arguing that he was instead the arbiter of truth. You'll notice that a lot of the conservatives that claim big tech bias now are benefiting from it substantially. Like PragerU, for example, they talk so much about big tech censorship, they use it to advertise. They use it to make money. In fact, I just saw the other day they raised $26,000 on a fundraiser because YouTube hides or restricts. Over a hundred videos of PragerU. Or no, it was just restricts. Which was like an optional thing. It was the most bullshit thing ever. So, just to be clear, this argument that like it's it's just the, a bias against conservatives. It's, it's a long-standing tactic that conservatives and Republicans use to avoid taking responsibility. The fact that they can just play victim now and be like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just big tech doesn't like conservatives. It's a way for them to avoid personal responsibility. And yet this is supposedly the party of personal responsibility. It's such bullshit. Eric says, shut the fuck up, Hunter. Go drink your soy latte instead. The fact that you say that demonstrates you have absolutely no arguments and you're just mad because I'm breaking your echo chamber. And then I want to actually look over some of the information about conservative censorship. I have two different articles here.
Okay. So, BBC, Big Black Cookie, did um, <clears throat> an article earlier this, uh, well, actually, it's last year. And they actually brought up some pretty interesting points. First of all, a survey from Pew Research Center indicated that 90% of Republicans believe social media sites censor their political viewpoints. Can you believe that? That's how many conservatives believe this shit when it has no empirical proof at all. Not no man, no wonder conservatives were pissed off at me when I said that big tech, the the whole narrative that like big tech is silencing conservatives was just a victim narrative. Do they have a point? One of the Republican criticisms of social media is that algorithms push down conservative content. That isn't born out of the data, at least for Facebook. Data from CrowdTangle, a public insight tool owned by Facebook. Hmm. That's wait. Why would it be? That doesn't sound. Puts together the most popular posts for each day on Facebook. Okay. Once any given day, the top 10 most popular political posts are dominated by right-leaning commentators. Oh, okay. Wow. So there, it's actually owned by Facebook. And we're still seeing these sections dominated by Ben Shapiro, Fox News, and Trump. Interesting. There's a, there's a much, uh, let's see. So this kind of gets into what I was getting at before here, which is that it's not that you're that any like conservatives are not banned because they're conservative. They're banned because there is an overlap between TOS violations and being a conservative, like spreading fake news. This is a really good example right here. Let's take COVID-19 as an example. It's true that Twitter has acted on Mr. Trump's tweets more than Mr. Biden's. For example, it blocked a Trump post suggesting that the flu was more dangerous than COVID. But at the same time, studies suggest Mr. Trump is far more likely to spread disinformation around COVID. So no, it's not they're silencing Trump because he's Trump. It's Donald Trump is literally spreading more info, more disinfo, so he's going to get dinged for that more. Literally comes back to personal responsibility. This whole conversation around conservatives being censored comes back, uh, comes back around to personal responsibility. One study from Cornell University suggests that the president was the largest single driver of COVID disinformation. So, see, this kind of real, this should, this should be a little more eye-opening right here. There's overlap between TOS violations and being a conservative, but conservatives are not banned for being a conservative. Like, if conservatives got on social media and just followed the rules and stopped spreading lies about the election, lies about COVID, lies about immigrants, lies about LGBT people, like, if conservatives could just pull themselves up by the fucking bootstraps and stop serial lying on social media, they'd probably get banned a lot less. There's a reason that these syndicated conservative publications like Fox News that, although they still lie, I guess they have some some form of journalistic integrity or at least ex expectation on them. There's a reason why like Ben Shapiro and these people are still trending all over the place. They're, look, the top Facebook pages of the day, the top 10 most popular political posts are dominated by right-leaning commentators. And I know I'm going to get shit because this comes from Media Matters, and I was originally going to try to find a better study uh, just because I know that Media Matters has a pretty bad reputation, especially among right-leaning people. Um, but this was a really comprehensive study, 
And I can always link, if anyone's curious, I can link you to alternative studies that found very similar results that were not done by Media Matters. The only reason I'm really using this is because it was a really good in-depth study. They gave their methodology and everything. Um, Right-leaning pages earn more total interactions than left-leaning or non-aligned pages, despite accounting for only a quarter of posts. Where did the flu go? Maybe it has something to do with a lot more people wearing masks, perhaps, and staying home and social distancing. Literally, like, the the conservatives, man, anytime you guys don't understand anything, just instantly jump to the most nefarious, nefarious answer. Hmm. Where, why does there seem to be less flu going around? It's probably because they're disguising the numbers of the flu with COVID to try to control us all. They all want us to be wearing masks and staying home and not stimulating the economy, even though our politicians are controlled by corporations. Okay, um, look, this shows right here that uh, um, despite right-wing posts making only a quarter of the posts, they dominate it. Between January 1st, 2020 and September 30th, 2020, right-leaning pages earned over 6 billion interactions, which is 43% of all engagement on posts from the Facebook pages in our study. In comparison, left-leaning Facebook pages earned over 3.5 billion interactions and non-aligned page pages earned 4.2 billion interactions. So that should be pretty eye-opening right there that again, when conservatives are following the rules, they're not, they're like, they're not getting banned. In fact, they're dominating. So it looks like ideologically non-aligned pages performed slightly better than right-leaning pages, but left-leaning pages still came at the very end. Average weekly interactions on Facebook pages that post about U.S. political news. Yeah, I mean, look at this. Holy shit. Look how much more interactions the right wing's getting. They love being victims. They absolutely do. And this is a really good example of where conservatives just cry victimhood when there is none. It's personal responsibility. Interaction rate is a performance metric. Right-leaning and left-leaning pages consistently had higher interaction rates than non-aligned pages, okay? Um, there was also a really interesting... Hold on. Does this go? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to this. This was really funny too, actually. In fact, recent reporting suggests the opposite might be true. Facebook's algorithm is known to amplify content that evokes an emotional response, reward sensational and partisan content, and contribute to polarization. When Facebook tweaked its algorithm to reduce partisan content in 2017, the platform reportedly throttled traffic away from progressive news sites while explicitly avoiding taking similar actions against conservative outlets like Daily Wire. So that should tell you something also. Even when the algorithm gets tweaked, it's like it's hurting progressives, not helping them. So now that we've established that conservatives are in fact not being disproportionately banned from social media because they are conservative, but rather because they are consistently breaking the rules and lying. Um, 
now I want to actually talk about what we should do about this because even if cons- like it doesn't conservatives don't need to be being disproportionately banned for being conservative for us to have a conversation about the power these corporations have. And some people like I'm seeing some people really freaking out about Trump getting banned and it's pretty funny when they're like acting shocked at the fact that like oh my god a politician is being controlled by a corporation? What? <laughs> I think that's pretty funny because that's what's happening all the time. Um, virtually all of our politicians are controlled by corporations to some degree or another. But I do think that it's important to talk about the power that these companies have. And I do think that there's something to be said that these private companies have so much control over the market. So, for example, we've all heard now that they're threatening to ban a uh, parlor. At least they already banned parlor on Play Store. And what they said with that, hold on, let me go back into full screen here. Because I don't have any new, I just read this. I don't have an article to show for this one. Um, what they're doing with Parler is Google Play banned Parler right now. And they basically said, you need to come up with a comprehensive plan on how you are going to moderate your website. And then we'll talk about getting you back on the Play Store. Because as we know, a shit ton of, uh, of like the calls to violence were made on Parler. On far, like there was an article I was looking at earlier today about how on far right websites, the plans to storm the Capitol were made in plain sight. So, I think that I think that I need to look at the chat for a minute because I'm seeing people getting mad. Hunter, how dare you use meanie mean facts that hurt my conspiracy theory believing feelings? I know. I'm a criminal. <laughs> Just rerun a DYT video and take a break. <laughs> Adam Courier, do you really think that I sound like a TYT person right now? So the fact that these these calls to action and calls to violence were made on far-right platforms such as Parler. Uh, it's not really a discussion about is Apple or is Play Store right in, right in removing the app because technically on a terms of service level and on an, and even on a legality level and arguably even on a moral level, they, they are justified in removing apps that were used to incite violence from their privately owned platform. But that's really what I want to get at is that like – the fact that Play Store, they own Android, or I'm sorry, Google, they own Android, and then they own the Play Store. So if you have an Android phone and they say, you know what, I don't like you, uh, I don't like this app, I'm going to remove it, what do you do, right? Like they hold such a dominant and a control over how their devices work and just on the market in general. Hunter is bootlicking for China. I have. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Eric, you're getting banned. Eric, ban, ban Eric. He's being a little cuck in the chat, and I don't want to deal with his bullshit anymore. Sorry, Eric. You had a chance to have honest and good dialogue, but sorry. Sorry, buddy. You blew it. Take personal responsibility next time. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? 
Um, even recently, there was a antitrust report on how Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google are anti-competitive. And the report scrutinizes the way the four biggest tech companies have amassed enormous market share. And I do think that there's a, there's a serious conversation to be had here that it's like, like, I mean, look at Apple, for example, they own the phone. So then you get an iPhone, which is a huge share of the market, or you have an Android. Well, now both those platforms have removed it the app, which you can really only get apps off uh, App Store and Google Play, there are ways to get around that. So it's not like, a, it's not, again, there's nuance to it, right? But I just think there's something to be said about the level of control that these companies have over the market. And yes, over the public dialogue as well. But I read something that was really interesting and it talked about how it's not so much about people getting banned. That's not what's hurting the marketplace of ideas or the online marketplace of ideas. So much is the fact that the algorithms work to give everybody a personalized little worldview. Everything that they like gets put right up in front of them. The algorithm knows what they like because again, what's their goal? It's to make money. So they want to keep you on that platform. They want me to see these ads as much as fucking possible. So it's not so much like people getting banned isn't even what's hurting the online marketplace of ideas. Although I do think there needs to be a serious conversation about the level of control these select few corporations have over online discourse. But at the same time, and again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking this through myself. So I apologize if I sound a little bit scattered, but at the same time, there's much more of an argument to be made uh, with getting banned from the internet. Like, you can still go and, and start a website. Trump can start a website where he posts frequent blog posts. Or, like, Trump can do what he wants to do on the internet, but this is just a private corporation. But that's the thing. You see, you'll then argue, well, most people now get their news and their information from these select few private corporations but the problem is the information you're getting from these select few private corporations are tailored just for you. So in a way, everyone on social media is kind of in their own little bubble, their own little echo chamber. Everyone. This is how it works. But and although that doesn't play in as much with this, there is also something to be said about how much control they have over the market. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know about this, but in, uh, in 1998, Microsoft actually went through like anti, really? All right. Well, I can't even see the headline. Okay. Now I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Microsoft went through a, uh, uh, antitrust lawsuit. Hold on. I'm trying to find where it talks about it. But that's that might be a solution on what to do about these tech companies for right now is is either uh clamping down on antitrust laws, maybe like I've seen people talk about introducing entirely new antitrust laws to sort of break these corporations up a little bit so they stop having so much control over the market. 
And when I read about it with what happened with Microsoft, I think there are some ways that this can apply even now with uh, the App Store and the Play Store, although it's not quite as cut and dry. So what happened was this was during browser uh, wars and back in the, you know, the 90s, you still had to pay money for a web browser. So on May 18th, 1998, the DOG and attorney generals of 20 different states filed antitrust charges against Microsoft to determine whether the company's bundling of additional programs into its operating system constituted monomalistic, a- pff, monomalistic actions. The suit was brought following the browser wars that led to the collapse of Microsoft's top competitor, Netscape, which occurred when Microsoft began giving away its browser software for free. So the argument here was that Microsoft was making it more difficult to download software without them. The government case accused Microsoft of making it difficult for consumers to install competing software on computers operated by Windows. So that's kind of the key right there with what we're seeing that's different than um than like what the App Store is doing. App Store isn't doing this in order to benefit their own like shit. So see, they, uh, let me see, the government case accused Microsoft of making it difficult for students. Right, so if Apple was banning you from downloading, I'm trying to think where that would, what that would look like, actually. Help me out, chat. <laughs> I know Carissa, know, I know Carissa's watching, and I know she knows my train of thought right now. <laughs> it's like, if Apple were doing something in order to stifle competition, then that might be more of an antitrust violation than what they're doing as far as like banning parlor from the app store. Although again, I still think that there is, you know, a conversation to be had here, but uh, am I making myself clear enough? Do you guys kind of get what I understand what I'm getting at? Both political parties are controlled by corporations that are making money off your children's future. All right. Yeah. You guys understand what I'm saying. But that's that's where the Apple antitrust stuff differs from the Microsoft anti antitrust shit. So it's simply the fact that they were benefiting or I'm sorry, they were stifling competition. Competition, they were stifling their uh, they were stifling competition using their power in the market. But I mean, it, it is it is concerning at best the amount of power that these few select companies have that they wield over just the public discourse, news, uh, and just even the, even yeah, the market share. It's insane. Fifty seven links to Caitlin Bennett saying that the CEO of Twitter is an insurrectionist. Oh, pff. I don't. I try not to take the bait. I try so hard not to take the bait. Trump derangement syndrome gives us. Uh... All right, let's go over some super chats, and then we are going to get on to uh, to our next subject. George, thank you for the five dollars. I used to be a Crowder conservative, but your more genuine content and thoroughly researched thought process changed me over to much more center. Thank you, George. You have no idea how much that means to me, man. I really appreciate it, and I'm also just glad to hear that you don't really like Stephen Crowder that much anymore. <laughs> because he is really horrible. <laughs> but seriously, that means a lot. Thank you, man. 
Monolithic Ethos, thank you for the $2.99 debate atheism unstoppable. No. Bricks, thank you for the $2. All viruses are a hoax. Confirmed. I'm going to take that as sarcasm. Good one, pal. All right, the next, the next thing we're going to talk about is a little bit more of a solemn topic, I suppose. 